Welcome to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Life Behind Bars. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about prison labour. I'm back once again, obviously with my co-host, with Officer Goodwin. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I always think he's going to go into an Australian accent when he does that. Good day, mate. Um, and with Emma. So we're going to be going through prison labour and, well, why don't you say exactly what you just said before the camera started rolling? What'd they say? <laughs> my age, I don't know. It should be something about education because of the labour. Um, well, I, I think there's a lot of cases and arguments in prison that we should focus much more on education than we do sometimes on labour. There are some good labour programmes going around, or what you call workshops and good stuff to learn, but unless you've got a good base of education behind you, much of the stuff that you're teaching people will be a struggle for them. Think of engineering workshops. Engineering workshops, at the very least, need the ability to be able to well, read well, let's take to do mathematics, and to do computerization, because that's where engineering is. Without those, then you go... So let's take, a quick, let's take a quick step back. I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, what labour is it that prisoners do currently? What jobs do they do within the prison system? Depends on where you are. I, I, I couldn't give you a... a Whatever I can tell you would be my personal experiences. Uh, it, when I was in um, Garnetree, there were workshops, but many of them, there were sewing machine shops and doing yeah. other kinds of work that I wouldn't call what you call common stuff that you would find to do outside it's of prison. Piecework, isn't it? Um, for some prisoners, some of it's piecework, some of it's not. Um, but there's always a base pay and piecework's added on because if you do education, which is classified as work in prisons, it comes at a set rate. You can't really do piecework with education, can you? It's just what it is. Um, but, but the, the, yeah, I, I look at work, and in, in shoes when I come here, they were just doing sewing machine shops. They'd gone from hand sewing, of course, way yeah. back in the old, right back to the Victorian. Up mailbags. until the 1960s, in this, they were sitting outside their cells doing yeah. mailbags. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. Did you know, you know Gloucester Prison mm -hmm. was the last prison in the UK to sew mailbags? There you go. All the way up until, oh God, it was, it was really into the 2000s. Yeah, well, we it was, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, Gloucester closed in 2013, but I think it was early 2000s, um, certainly turn of century, um, the turn of millennium, um, where they were, yeah, they were the last prison to be sewing because that's the, one of the workshops was still there. And they we we did it right up until the 90s, uh, and then we moved on and we started doing prisoners' t shirts, you know, the blue t shirts? Yes. Uh, and in those days, when they were, before they were allowed to have their own underwear in prisons, the boxer shorts, the blue boxer shorts uh, so they're doing t-shirts and vests they must have been i'm sorry yeah. they must have been the most uncomfortable disgusting items of clothing well they were i've got these been worn about 500 times i've got literally under prisoners this idea in my mind of like <laughs> blue cardboard boxer shorts that you kind of take out no no take out and wash put them through the dryer and you go to shake them and they're still like a solid piece of like no pretty good they were pretty good quality they were pretty it was pretty fine material we never got oh, they're like made out of polyester or something heavy duty I'm not quite sure what the material was, but uh, but no, so all those things. One, I think that's reasonably constructive work to do in a prison. It is. You have to ask yourself the value it will be, because if whatever work you ask a prisoner to do, one would assume you're thinking about what value will this be to that person and to the rest of us when they step out to these doors. Well, th this is the so conversation we're going to have today. You know, sewing machine like, shops do exist in this country, but very, very few. They're really quite small when you consider we buy nearly all our clothing of items come out of um, uh, from the East. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, let's pick up on Timpsons quickly then. So Timpsons is the largest 
employer mm. of ex-offenders uh, in the country. Yeah. And I always found this so, I guess, ironic and a little bit funny that, that ex so prisoners will leave prison, so ex-prisoners, and they can get jobs in Timpsons. And some of the things they will learn is, you know, key cutting and such like that, because that's what they think that's yeah. a good job, what they do. And some prisoners are like, oh yeah, I learned to do this in jail. Well, and it's just like yeah. key cutting prison. Uh, uh, yeah, key cutting. No illusion. The keys are there. Cutting and nothing like the keys of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, those are good skills. Like I said it depends on where you are. We had day release for prisoners to go down to our Timpsons, and yeah. they are. I've got a high chance, all things being equal, of being offered employment in the area that they live. So it yeah. keeps them close to their homes. It's a job that's accepted. It's a good job in society. It's a needed job, and it has some real value. But there are many jobs in prisons and you know we had an assembly shop here for a while that's not the prisons you know that's something it's the only work you can get to come into your prison and it was literally just sorting out nuts and bolts and I went well there's no value in that prisons just sit around putting nuts and bolts together and then when there's no work available from they sit there and play cards because it's easier than sending them back and forth to the shops all the time but you go well what value that's going to be outside and the answer to that is none really but there are places like featherston full-size engineering workshop where they learn all those traditional engineering skills a motor mechanic shop uh, there's also a modern printing shop there might have more all those things are things that are exist in society <coughs> so they have a value out there there's a couple of restaurants as well isn't there um, where clicks there are five ones closed apparently and no no i think it was closed yeah, but did it close during COVID? I don't know. I just believe there were five. There's now four. But they've got a plan to increase it because they've seen such a great value. Uh, and I say to my audience when they come around, this is not, a, it's like restaurant quality food mm -hmm. at much cheaper prices for the public. Anybody can use them. And it's a useful skill at home and as a yeah. career. And if anybody's looking yeah, for yeah, a yeah, yeah. type in Clink Charity on, on, on an on internet browser. It will bring up those places if anybody's interested in going and supporting that. Um, but they, they, they are good. And I'm not talking about they learn to flip burgers over and cook sausages. Oh, no, it's, it's this possible, is proper, it's proper restaurant quality yeah, yeah, yeah. skills. I think it's, really use, it's a really useful thing because it's a productive um, uh, use of their time, yeah, absolutely. where you can actually see an outcome, yeah. and it's a skill that is useful for yeah. future work. It's a saleable skill for your general life yeah. and health. She Shepton used to surprise me, still still does, in the sense of um, Shepton's got a huge workshop building. So in Shrewsbury, there's a there's a two workshops. So they're, they're a decent size. Well, we had slightly um, more than that. There were smaller shops and terror buildings. Yes, there yeah. were, but yeah, two, two, two yeah. Whereas Shepton has got an entire five-story building, yeah. which was dedicated to workshops. They had stores in there, receptions in there, a few other things. It wasn't all five stories, but I think the top two stories were, were works, basically. So, I mean, it's a lot. It's, what, what did they do? Do we know what they did? Well, then? yeah, they, 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 we, we can go through, I'll go through in a sec. But what I'm saying is, compared to Shrewsbury, I reckon Shepton's shops are probably four times the size of what Shrewsbury had. Bearing in mind, they had half the amount of prisoners in Shepton. And I know they did very different things, but one of the things they used to do was lots and lots of um, uh, labouring skills. 
and building skills. Yeah. So they had an entire room, and it's a big room as well. I'm talking about sort of like half the size of a, of a sports hall. Yeah. And in there, the prisoners would build um, uh, small rooms. So yeah. they got one big room, they yeah. build small rooms yeah. back, back to back. So they'd be doing uh, studying, they'd be doing plastering, Drink, they'd painting. be doing painting, yeah. then the electricians would do first fix, then yeah. come and do the second fix, and they'd put the whole thing together. Yeah. Then they'd strip it all back down when it was finished. That's right, yeah. And they'd go, bricklaying. Yeah, bricklaying. they did all that, and Ferguson as well. Yeah, and all these kind of things. I guess my point, and I think all of that is really valid skills. Really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, let's face it, you can't outsource building houses to other countries. No. Because you've got to physically be there to do it. Um, And actually, bricklaying, I've got a friend who's a bricklayer. Pays really quite good money. It's hard. If you're good, hard graph. It's all weather, but it is. But it is. Yeah. Oh God, plastic. Oh yeah. Many many prisons do that. What I'm saying is, there are many prisons, particularly if you think of your remand style. <coughs> so if you think of prisons. Well, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you before you so let, let me ask you this before you go. Shepton didn't because Shepton had predominantly lifers. And yes. a good percentage of those were sex offenders. Yeah, and it'd be and a good percent employment. Yeah, but a, but a lot of them, well, potentially wouldn't get released. Some will get released, or actually, by the time they get released, they're going to be quite old. Yeah. What's the point? Well, it, but because it's also about managing them in a prison as well. Yeah, but this, these are different types of. But I'm sp- speaking specifically about the prisoners that you worked with. Predominantly were not old, but going to be in prison for a long time. Not quite the same as the prisoners that might be in a, in a local prison. But they were still towards, like, they'd already been in prison for a long time yeah. as well, so therefore they were technically getting closer to that point yeah. of being able to be released, therefore having useful skills is a benefit. Um, and as Graham said, there is that thing about the time you say about the uses, but what's the point of having people just sat around? I'm not saying just sit around, I'm just saying, is that, that style of workshops, what they do there, that would have been far better for the prisoners of Gloucester. Gloucester has got tiny workshops, but Gloucester had a huge number of same size as Shrewsbury, so yeah. still about about 350-ish prisoners, yeah, uh, give or take. But there was a huge, and they had a young offenders wing, so they had a massive amount of, um, as a local jail, traditional Catby local, lots of prisoners in for a short period of time, six months or less, 12 months uh, or less. Uh, but then they're not there long enough no, they're to learn not, the skills. But then they also have then a chunk of people that are obviously there for a period of time, like slightly longer, but actually, it's almost a point of you could start your apprenticeship inside the prison and then complete. Outside. Or you might even, if the workshops is big enough, why couldn't they still utilise the workshops for people that are no longer in prison to continue doing their education rather than utilising the couple? I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. First of all, there needs to be a much better joined up system between mm-hmm. what prisoners physically do in prisons rather than even education, that there's a connection to the outside to continue. Because the sad part is, when you think about prisons, 46% of prisoners, and these prison numbers that I pick up from the, from the government are about two to three years old. They always are, and particularly with COVID as well. Mm-hmm. So they're always older numbers. 46% of prisoners serve six months or less in jail. Yeah. Now there's nearly 85 coming back up again, 1,000 in real. So 40,000 prisoners are never in jail long enough to do anything constructive. You might get through a detox program. So they, they, and I'm not saying what's right or what's wrong, but they're coming in and there's nothing happening to them. So where you, that's where your argument makes it. They should start them on these programs, but there should be a connection to when they get out to carry on. Yeah. 
And that's got to be where they live, of course. You can't just go, well, it's there. They go, well, I don't live there. I can't travel there. So wherever that is, I've always said I would build a place by the government, pay for it by the government, so prisoners have somewhere to start and go when they finished. Because we open doors well, and we throw them out and there's nothing. They go right back to where they started. You don't even need Nothing's to, going on at all. You don't even need to build one or technically buy one because the MOJ already have one. Yeah. yeah. Which is they, they have a prison, which no, is not just a prison, but it's an entire town. Mm. And probably in the next five years, that prison potentially will close. And when the prison closes, the town, which I think the population of the town, 95% of, live there because of the prison. So when the prison closes, they no longer have yeah. a need to live there. If you rehome all of those people, you've got a prison and an entire town that you could use literally you may be moving go. you may be pushing the boundaries there but moving people out of the culture of their own homesteads yeah. and their own friends and family but i understand well, they, that 95 percent of that literally of that small yeah, town if there is a jail is local then you can do is, is all based around the jail yes, yes. that's okay for the people that are not too far away but if someone lives 500 miles away yeah. from there then that's a long way to post them they're not then going to have a support network around. Yeah, but when, so when, when, when you're, you're from you're from Cornwall, right? Yeah. Yeah, and where did you go to uni? Bristol. Then that's happy, that happens all the time. Yeah, you yeah. don't go to a uni in Cornwall. But what I'm saying is, away from it, I'm not saying it's not a bad thing in terms of continuing education and stuff like that. I'm saying in terms of the resettlement once they have finished that, and the, the there also needs to be that support for wherever they're going to actually live. <clears throat> yeah. See, because my argument with that is about having them to go to somewhere that's government-controlled workshops. And yeah. like you said before, they can build it and destroy it. Yeah. Build it and destroy yeah. it as many times as they like. And I paid them, and somebody said, oh, well, they paid them good on I said, you can either pay to keep them on the dole, or you can pay to keep yeah. them in work. Yeah. It doesn't, it's the same money, and again, there's lots but it's of, more constructive money. There's lots of places in the UK now that actually are really, really quite cheap. If you move to some areas up north, especially the old mining towns and mining communities, yeah. Not only are there large, no. large factories that are just closed, the steelworks, for example, that are just being closed, but then there's also a lot of accommodation mm -hmm. around the place. But the same argument could be made for, well, why don't we do this with homeless people? I mean, this, this, this could all... Yeah, I mean, you could move on with that argument. I want to do this, Joel says. Um, in terms of prison labour, um, prisoners obviously get paid, so they have to do labour yeah. or they have to do education. Well, convicted prisoners do. Uh, the law hasn't changed that. Convicted prisoners are required by law to work. Remands can't be compelled to work simply because they're remands in a certain And they might say, I don't have time to work. Why? Because I'm doing my own case. So I need the library, I need the books, and I need to work on my own case. I haven't got time to go. And that's fair enough, too. The only argument with prisoners is if you don't have those things to do and you don't go to work, you don't get paid. So many prisoners do work as remands anyway. Why? Because two things, it gives them money that they may not have access to otherwise, yeah. it also gets them out of a cell. Because the conditions are, if you don't work, you have to be, there's no staff, you can't just wander around a jail. Yeah. So many prisoners work, work, many prisoners work to get out with their mates into workshops and just to break the day up. Uh, and for some, it's their only source of income, of course. Some prisoners, it's their only source of income when they come to a jail. They've got to pay for telephone calls. And They've got to pay for their own decent tea, coffee. And, and jobs allocated based on your skill set so yeah. catering for example work in the kitchen it is a job it depends you could be the best you could be the best baker 
in the country, but you can also be the most dangerous person in your jail. Well, obviously, obviously, <laughs> yes, obviously if you've got a crime which involves, if you've got a crime which involves knives, the mad axeman, the likelihood is you're yeah. not going to get a job in the in the yeah. kitchens. Yeah, you're not going to make the bars so at all. Your hair is We've spoken about that. Safety and security. Safety and security is first yeah. first paramount. Yeah. Once that's taken care of, yeah. is it then based? So, for example, if there's no point in me going to um, do a plastering course or, or do plastering every day if I'm already a really good plasterer. No. Waste of time. No, but you would be um, used. Around the prison. Uh, very doing, often. Doing jobs well, around the Yeah, I can't speak to the all jails. It depends on security as well. But at Shrewsbury, even though you're a can't be, if somebody had come in and they were a plumber or electrician or worked in that industry and got good relative skills but not full qualifications, they are very often attached to the maintenance departments. Yeah. So you'd find your sparkies in the jail, two or three in each jail, and chippies and plasters and bricklayers. They would have like an assistant. Uh, and, and they would go along with them, and some of those people were doing the work as much as ever as the actual skilled people were doing them. Some are learning the extra skills, and some are already at that level. We used to use people in our kitchens, security, uh, you know, uh, being managed okay, and they would go to our kitchens because one or two of them used to work in what they call, we had one or two lads come in from what they call ABP, and that's the big massive places where they slaughter all the cows or yeah. slice them and chop them up for the, for the for supermarkets. Abattoirs, yeah. Well, I'm not sure they slaughter them in abattoirs in the same way they slaughter them and then move them in now, don't they? They're too separate. But anyway, um, but, they do all, but we've had one or two come in because there was a time in, in, in prisons when you would literally butcher your own meat. That once it's been killed and cut, main they'd come in. Yeah, whole cows come in. Yeah, whole pigs, make our own sausages. Yeah, yeah. Bake our own. Yeah. We used to bake our own bread. Yeah, all because bread it, was baked. In there prison. was for a, for a while. It was you'd get more out of it. It was cheaper to do it that way yeah. than it was obviously because you'd have to pay somebody that's got the skill. Yeah. To do it, whereas now everything's done on machines. I mean, yeah. it's, if you go to tech, I don't know, fish camps don't quite exist. But I remember there was a time that my mum. Looking at the age now, um, but my mum used to bring back whole salmon from Tesco's mm. because when I was a chef, so I used to fillet them. I would, yeah. I would, I would, I would do nothing and come get it, but I would always fillet them and I would, I would then cut them into steaks or the fillets, whatever yeah. I was doing with them, and off we go. But now they've got machines in Tesco's, so you just chuck the whole fish into the, the machine and just. It does. And it's like, so therefore you don't need a fishmonger anymore, which is what they used to have, somebody skilled that they could pay X amount. Now what you need is somebody that can just put it, a fish into a machine. And it's, um, you know, so it's a very different style. But, uh, um, yeah, we used to use our bakers and all that. And the thing is that when they went to what they call, I call it the privatisation of, of buying food in, because a lot of those things are bought in, our bread was bought in, but I have no illusion. They bought the bread at the cheapest end of the market they could get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so Whereas we used to like bake, shorts, the bread like we used to bake in the prison, it would last for about two days before you could kill somebody with it, because it had gone rock hard. There were no additives in it. There was none of that stuff that we tend to take for granted in supermarkets, which is one of the reasons why I bake my own bread. Um, but but it, but it is. It's like he's on a data gap sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's just put a little shout out. Just so you're aware, ladies. Just, yeah, just a, I bake my own bread. Good at DIY. I have seven of these shirts. I've got seven, seven, seven of these shirts. Yeah. I also I can go on a I can go on a, on a rowing machine yeah. for 45 minutes to an hour. No worries. Yes. <laughs> and I can fit kitchens and do bathrooms, just so I'd let you know. You can, well, actually. Just and, 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 you can, and you can build scare mazes. I can do what I like. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to labour in prison, it depends on where you are. depends how long <laughs> the prisoners are serving. Yeah. How long the prisoners are serving as well. So life sets prisoners <coughs> may find themselves with different Sorry. kinds of work for different kinds of reasons. And then you've got the short term, because we are a very high term of a prison, you probably find that's why they didn't get involved in long service 
because they didn't know the next prison they were going to would offer the same thing. So if you've got a prisoner in here and we started teaching them to do uh, woodwork, as we did have a little woodwork shop, but that was for charity, little charity toys. But if you said you're going to do all the proper things, the next prison available to them may not have that as a skill to carry on with. And I guess we're talking about two, so see the problem. Yeah, we're talking about two different things. One is about work, which is about doing the job yeah. day in, day out. Yeah, the book, yes. And, and the other is about training. And education as well. Yeah, which is because when we're talking about the Stephen Shepter, for example, they were, they were plastering, that wasn't any benefit other than to the prisoner mm. who was learning a skill Good so for when they leave. Um, I want to uh, talk about what, I, I want to talk more about prisoners that actually are working, doing a job day in, day out, the same thing, not training necessarily but just doing the job. So let's, let's, let's take a very quick break there and then we'll talk about that when we come back and that will no doubt open up the American system as well. So we'll take a very quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Unlock the past and discover what life was like at Shepton Mallet Prison. Relive the history of past prisoners over the last 400 years. Experience what a Victorian prison cell was like for those incarcerated. See where executions were carried out. Walk the landings and prison wings. You'll hear stories of those who worked and lived behind its high walls. See it, touch it. Feel it on a journey of discovery at the nation's oldest prison. Visit ShiptonMalletPrison.com today to find out more. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking about prison labour. Um, and if you joined us for the first part of the episode, you will know that Graham has got seven shirts. <laughs> he can yeah. fit kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, no, we're talking about prison labour. And I want to get a little bit serious now. And I want to ask, we have, we've had this debate numerous times. And we sit on different sides of the fence on this debate. Um, and it's, it's, I guess, very quickly, let's touch on the American system. So America with prison labour, you could it, it, you could be forgiven for saying America run their prisons a little bit like a business, not a particularly great business, but like a business in the sense of what they do is they incarcerate to put people to work to manufacture very different things. For example, lots of the, the items for the army are manufactured within prisons, but also you can have external companies will, will have prisons working for them to do different things. So what America has is a system which is requires a huge workforce. So what they've done is they have a high proportion of young black males, normally from, from low affluent um, uh, areas and such like that, that are incarcerated and they just put them to work. And it's just this big churning wheel. I know there's a lot more complexity to that. It's not yeah. quite that simple. Yeah. But there is a different states will operate. Yeah, but there is an, an element, an argument that actually an entire um, society, an entire race, an entire culture of people have been really pigeonholed and put into a certain regime or a certain system or a certain process 
to facilitate lots of other things. And there's, there's, a, there's a chunk of this. And what you have is you have this big machine inside the prison system that now requires a huge number of prisoners to keep this labor, keep the cheap moving, and keep the cheap labor moving. Now, I think that's an awful way of doing it in the sense of you're trying to incarcerate people because you need your labor numbers up. Well, there's no, so is, is there's there no incentive to do anything different. Well, I was yeah. going to say, is there a benefit to incarcerate people? Well, we know that, that America has the closest on percentage uh, population of prison to capacity. So we know that America is the best country in the world for saying this is our capacity of prisoners. Again, to like 97.9%, I think, the percentile is. It, it's so close. No other country in the world gets that close. You either go over and well over, or you're quite far under. But America gets spot on, super close, which is really well calculated. There is some figures out there that these are raw figures that state that they lock up more people than anyone else in the world. Oh, yeah. now, you can't yeah. truly justify that because you don't know exactly what regimes like the close regimes like Korea and China and Russia may be doing with political prisoners. But even by percentages, America lock up far more than any other nation on earth. Any other nation on earth. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got the figures here. So just yeah. 2.3 2. million of them. It is a huge number. I'll, I'll open it up now. In fairness, it's just, it's just opened up. Um, so we're looking for the US only. Uh, United States. So United States, two, just over, yeah, 2.1 million when this was done, which was a couple of years ago. Well, that would go but they, they run, sorry, that occupancy figures, 99.8%. Yep. It's not in their benefit and to go over, is it? If they, because then they've got mouths to feed, but it's there about labour. So therefore, yeah. it's making sure that at capacity, like say, it's running a business, you need your, you need the right number of employees to run your business effectively. It's um, exactly that. So let, let me let me ask you this 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 question. Let me put this out to both of you. Now, this used to happen in the UK. It's been a long, long time, you know, a few decades, but it used to happen. There is a is a um, business you could employ the local prison to do certain aspects so for example t-shirt printing we just take that it's a nice simple straightforward easy job um, and back in back in back way back when there wasn't necessarily a machine quite where you could just put them in and laser it quite like you can now you used to be have to done manually so you used to be able to ask some stuff things like piecework we spoke about earlier nuts yeah. and bolts which actually the, the work that Graham's talking about would be things like B&Q yep. Wixes and stuff like yep. that would have been the customers um, mailbags sewing mailbags I mean Royal Mail was a government mm. owned uh, um, company back then it's not now but it was back then so all of those kind of things so we used to have an environment where prisoners would do work for external companies which doesn't exist anymore. But it, wouldn't it make sense to have that? It depends on whether you're the person who's just lost your job because you used to make mailbags and support your family and now you're giving it to somebody else, not because it's valuable to the prisoner to do to learn something that's a good skill, but because they can do it for £15 a week. Well, see, I'm not talking about... Without any overheads. I'm not talking about pensions. taking an American system. I'm not talking about cutting the costs. I'm not talking about doing this based on the fact that I, I, I currently have ever employed in my business, but I can, and it's you know, £20 an hour, for example, to pay them. But I can outsource it to the prison, to you as a prisoner. How much? And it's going to cost me... Hold on, let me just take from fictitious figures. <laughs> and it's going to cost me £10 an hour. I'm not talking about undercutting like that. What I'm talking about is 
a much bigger regime, which is actually, I might still pay the prison service the same £20 an hour. Yeah. Now, the prison service may only pay you mm -hmm. 350 do. or whatever it might be. Yes. The rest of that money gets folded into the prison coffers, gets folded into the prison running costs, and now what we don't need is so much money from the taxpayer to run prisons, because actually out of the £16 that I'm paying that you're not getting, that goes into running the prison. Now, over a scale, that's going to start to reduce the requirement that the prisons need from the taxpayer mm -hmm. to actually run the prison. Mm -hmm. So it becomes more about what's the incentive for me as a business to send it into the prison than it is to employ my own staff. And there's, that's the same argument to be made for any agency. We use an external marketing agency, for example. The reason we do that is for, for a number of things. One is they have a skill set that it would cost us a lot more to employ than we can do by just paying one company a, a retained fee per month. Also, we don't have all the additional challenges that come with that, which is, you know, when you employ people, yes, there's a lot of benefits, but also there's things like sickness, there's holidays, there's time away. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've only got one person as opposed to a whole group of people. Can I just, I, I just, because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my head yeah. now, mate. So you, you'd say you employ another agency. Great, we understand that. But you're employing an agency because of their skills, because the the cost is what the cost is out there, mm -hmm. and, and and the people that are working for that company are free to move if they don't like the conditions they work under, and they're going to be relatively skilled people doing the work that you want yeah. done. Prisons are going to be operating differently under your style because you're going to put them in there because of the cheap labour and because of the relatively low skill thing you'll set. So you're going to have them doing relatively low skilled work. So the problem with that is you have to ask yourself the honest question: Okay, it works. It saves the taxpayers money. It costs less. But what's going to happen to the prisoner once they leave those jails? Because they're not going to carry on doing that work because it wasn't ever designed to be done outside. So they're going to go, well, that's not good to me because I, there is no work out there for like that for me. So what am I going to do? Nobody's trained me to do anything else. So you have to ask yourself the question, what's the value? Yeah, it might be true value where you say it costs the government less, but it might cost us more. Because if we're not doing anything relatively constructive with a prisoner and only using them because they can keep the cost down, then that's going to be exactly the same as America. The only difference is it's a, a private company that's got it. It's just recycled money. But there's no value coming out of that money. All you're doing is paying that prisoner to do that work to keep the cost down. Go, oh, that's good. We can lock more prisoners up. Now why? Because it costs less. So we'll just keep the churn going. But they all come out of jail going, well, no. to what end? To what end? Well, the cost is so the same. If you're going to get a prisoner to do a piece of work, it has to have value outside its place. Yeah, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, there are cleaning jobs in prison, but prisoners are doing cleaning. Yeah. There are. There will always be those kind of bits of work going on in place. But technically, they have to do that job properly, and they would still be qualified to work for a cleaning company outside quite easily. Some of these lads know all the difference of the colours and the chemicals and all the things you should use and all that, and they know all about blood spills, many of them. So the reality you don't just go and mop it up like you used to you can't do it like that but all those things you go well they are transferable skills mm -hmm. they are but putting nuts and bolts together is not a transferable skill and you go well, well then what's the point of it the point of it is it because you're doing it because another company can make a bigger lot of profit well, you, there, and that's the point there, there, there's there's a but they're not because what i'm saying is not about the company's not necessarily going to make more profit because 
actually oh, they the, will. the cost might be well I think the way that the, the, the regime like that will only work so you don't slip into the American system is based on the fact that it's going to cost me as much I'm still going to have to pay the prison service mm -hmm. the same as I would have to pay somebody in direct so actually, there's no direct saving for them. But we know that where, in the real world, that's never going to happen. Where the, where the business would benefit would be through government-approved uh, schemes, you know, benefits in terms of tax. In the same way as you do with donations, yeah. research, and but, stuff. But like they'll that. also save a fortune, <coughs> any capital will save a fortune when you outsource to prison. Why? They won't get caught with sick pay, holiday pay, compensation payments. Well, that's, that's the all same, that's the same with outsourcing to any agency. Yeah, but they, but the company out there have got those responsibilities where yeah, it's yeah. not the same in prison. No, prison uh, service. Right. Prison don't go, you've got yeah. annual So the people that will actually benefit yeah. will be the prison service. Yeah, but to what end? What, what's well, the, what's what the purpose saying, of a prison? To be, well, there has, to be a, 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 there has to be a mechanism in place to ensure that it doesn't just allow us to scale the prisons and slip into Americanism. What I'm saying is that not every prisoner is going to want to learn a skill. And actually, 46% of prisoners are in for six months or less. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So why don't we just take that 46% and apply them to that role? Anybody that's serving longer than six months or longer than a year can actually go into more of a vocational, can go more into a learning course. But actually, if you're less than 12 months, you go this route. But if you're serving less than six months, the, the other question on that hand you'll be asked will say, well, if we're only serving six months or less, which means anywhere from four weeks to two mm -hmm. weeks to five weeks to seven weeks, you go, then is there not a better alternative than actually having them in a jail in the first place? Well, yeah, that's a different, that's a different it, uh, No, don't get me wrong, I understand yes, about yes, how it works, I've been, in this, I've been in the job a long time, but I understand about deterrence, and I understand about punishment, I understand about those things, but... We, we tend to fall into putting people in jail much easier than perhaps we did years ago without looking at the alternative programs that might be better, particularly for non-violent, for white-collar crime. I'm not saying we should be soft on people, but you've got to be honest about it and go, nothing's happening. So, but if you use them that way, you're quite right. Why not use them that way? Absolutely. But you're still not getting any advantage out of it as a society. The company's getting benefit, but the society's gained nothing with somebody doing six months and just doing those things. Well, it doesn't have to pay as much. That's the point. The well, taxpayer doesn't have to pay as much it, into the prison it, service. It, but it won't necessarily save the taxpayer any money if that prisoner keeps returning. Yeah, but that's going to happen regardless, because that's, there's nothing. What are you going to do? We've already said, what are we going to do with a prisoner? And let's say 12 months. I know we're talking six, but let's say 12, because reality is that 12 months is the traditional length for any apprenticeship or scheme to do the learning, to do the... To do the um, it does, but you can do certain apprenticeships in, in, yeah. in 12 months. It's more of a traditional, yeah, traditional kind of starting point, certainly the lower levels. Um, so if we say everything under 12 months, those prisoners are not doing anything anyway. Well, that's what we were talking about, looking at systems where the courses continue, whether that's in an external building or when they're released. Unlike the... External. The, was it Australia does the weekend prisons? Mm. Like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the course, courses can be um, continued outside or return in at certain hours to continue that course until it's finished type thing. Even once they can. There's other... There's other systems that are more likely to reduce future crime, therefore benefit society and save money and create a cyber system. 
there's a real danger, and I understand what you're saying, and, but it's, I always say it's like what they call the thin end of a wedge. Once you start something like that, the incentive then becomes to, to take it to the next level, to the next step and the next step. So then it becomes self-fulfilling in its own right, with no real society, no societal advantages, other than keeping a cost down. But you can do that by getting rid of a space, you can get, do that by getting rid of, a, of an aircraft carrier. People go, we can't do that, see so why? We have no intention of using them. We build them not to use them, let's be honest. Jesus. We build a four billion pound aircraft carrier in the hope that we never ever have to put it out and fire in anger. That's what we do with aircraft. You know, 30, 40 million pound a pop. We fly them around the place in the hope that we never ever have to use them in anger. Yeah, and I guess that's the argument. And we do it every year. With prisons, as you build prisons as part of a, you know, you, we obviously do the use them. You also do build them in theory as part of a, um, a deterrent. You know, we've got prisons so you don't commit yeah. a crime. Yeah. Um, but, so it's a real, it's a fine line, isn't it? But, uh, I think it's a slippery thing because I, I can see what you're saying in terms of, especially if you think about some of the work that's starting to be taken out of the country mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There's, the, you know, there's ways that you can benefit the internal economy in that sense, but. I just think it's such a slippery slope in terms of yeah. what, who feeds who at that point and to the benefit of who. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, a, it's a slope that it's really hard to... Uh, and you're right about the argument about outside sources of cheap labour. I go, well, all you're doing is swapping one version of cheap labour for another one at the end of the day. Yeah, and that, that's the yeah. I it's such a complicated question to answer. To be honest with you, looking at the American system, I know like historically, when slavery slavery was yeah. first abolished, the first thing that was noticed was, particularly in the southern states, massive, massive increases in the black population being arrested and sentenced to prison for crimes that were under, and it was all because they were then used for labour mm. and it was yes. a way of still legally having slaves um, and I just think it's it, it's a slippery slope when you are in a position where people can financially benefit from something like cheap labour and I know you're saying not about not cheap labour but it's there's cheap, cheap labour, it's just the labour <laughs> is not cheap for the business because what I think where Graham's coming out in fairness is the traditional sense that businesses are scrupulous and will do what they can to, well, to squeeze their bottom line to make more money. Of course it will because that's what business is for. Well, it is and it isn't. Businesses you, you pay as little business. as possible and charge as much as possible. That's business. No, business, uh, businesses, businesses are a business is a vehicle to achieve whatever their goals may be. The, the business is a structured legal vehicle. That's all it is. Just because it's a business doesn't mean necessarily it's trying to do this, it's trying no. to do this. Any more than a charity is always out for good. That might be the expectation, but that's not necessarily always the reason. There's plenty of charities out there that are not out for good. It depends so, on the So I think there's, well, of course, exactly. So, so, so therefore, I think where Graham's coming out a little bit is that businesses are going to be scrupulous. What I'm saying is that actually the businesses would still probably, they will have a benefit somewhere on the tax side of things, which can be regulated in a different way. It's actually the prison system, the prison service, the MOJ, they're the ones that will have the saving. They're the ones that will be charging 20 pounds an hour, but only paying somebody three pounds an hour. So they're the, they're the people, that's the organization, 
that will retain all of the power and retain all of the responsibility. Now, as a government-led organisation, we should be expected to think that they are going to act above and beyond and therefore they're going to do the right thing in the way they operate. The, the, the problem with that is when you start equating prison sentences and, and, and prisons with money in that sense, that it's some kind of business deal that you can create, you basically turn prisoners into a commodity to be bought and sold for the appropriate price that people agree on that the prisoner has no say in. So that's what was happening in America when they decided that they couldn't enslave them anymore, they decided they could do another thing to do it legally. And that's basically what you were just saying about the prisons there. When you look at it that way, you go, well, we've just commodified a prisoner. You're only actually a unit of labor now because the only person that's worried about that person is probably the prisoner and the families. So everybody else outside it sees that as a unit of labor. The prison see it as a unit of labor to keep their costs down, and the businesses see a unit of labor to create profits. Whether they're big ones or small ones matters not, but it's still seen as a unit of labor. The minute it becomes uneconomical, one or the other will stop doing it. And that means that so it's subject to the normal laws of capital business rather than what prisons were meant to be designed for, to keep people in, to train them, to get them to go back out, to be free individuals out there, to carry on living their lives the best way that we hope they're going to live. So I, I, I can understand the theory behind why you would do it, but I just can't understand what the long-term results will be. Nobody's given me the answer and said, this is the benefit we will get, because remember, Prisons are used by society for society. So if they don't give us some value one way or the other, in the sense that, and remember, the prisoner's the prime person in there. Everybody else is part of the, they are the prime person that you're dealing with. They are the person you want to come out and not want to come, come back again. Unless you keep moving in forever because they're extremely violent people and they need to be kept in for a long, long time, if not for the rest of their lives. But everybody else that's got some release date tied in there, you go, well, we don't really want them to come back, do we? But there's a danger with a unit of economy. You go, well, I don't really mind. Why? Because I've got a source of labor. Well, it's not really I've, tra I've, trained them. I've trained them to do that source of labor. So now I've got a trade. <laughs> that, that, that was one of my other things let's, when you said about let's, let's I've kept your job for your job. See you in a couple of weeks' time. Good on you, mate. Let's take a very quick break and we'll come back and pick up on these points. Bring a friend. So we'll take a very quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. Welcome to Shrewsbury Prison, Shropshire's number one tourist destination. Step behind the gates of this 200-year-old prison and discover an unknown world. Heritage tours run by ex-officers, where you can see the cells, walk the landings, see and touch the history. But there's so much more going on. Experience one of our brilliant activities or take part in our world-renowned events. From escape rooms to axe throwing, overnight sleepovers to prison break, we do it all. And there's something for all the family, with activities starting from eight years, events from 12 years, and heritage tours for all ages. Visit our restaurant and experience food behind bars. There really is so much to see, do and discover on a day out at Shrewsbury Prison. Visit us at www.shrewsburyprison.com.
You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking about prison labour. Um, I, th- I wouldn't say it got heated in the last section, but I think we've got a very, dis- uh, a, a very different opinions on, on, on the point that I was, that I was making. And I, and I get what you're both saying in the sense of it's a slippery slope. Where, what's the benefit for, where does it go? I guess the way I look at it is that I think we've currently got a lot of people in prison that are kind of twiddling their thumbs at a little bit purely because they're not in jail for long enough in the sense of to begin a course or to begin something substantial because as we know, yeah, 46% are in prison for six months or less. There's not a lot you can do in that time period. So, you know, those prisoners are going into work. Now, I think there's loads of arguments to be made about going, well, actually, they'd be better off going into education, which is what you said at the very beginning. Oh, yeah, Because, you know, that would be far better off. They spend six months in education or in different, um, uh, potentially different... Um, uh, not not programs necessarily, but maybe if they need um, uh, rehabilitations and such like that, the shorter programs we do, AA and, and smoking and drugs and such like that. Um, so you've got those kind of things. But then for those that don't need either of those two, what, what do we do with them? I just, I just kind of look at it going, what are we doing with these prisons? And obviously the ideal scenario of prisons is that a country's prison population reduces. But again, that's not happening currently because that's not the way we've built our model. So should we therefore be developing to make the model we have work better? Should we be trying to change the model for the better, i.e. reducing them? I mean, I'm just kind of asking the question, what's the answer? Well, that's the thing I said about when you look at six months, you might go, okay, you're in for six months or whatever that time is going to be. But part of your prison sentence on license is that you're going to go carry on with that you were doing there, whatever that training was. And we build, we'll have to, if we have to build a building, we'll build one. Yeah, it's going to be serious. There'll be a serious cost to, to, to doing what we spoke about at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, but very often with many of these people, they go out and they struggle to get work. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're paying them not to work. You might as well pay them to go to work, even if you've constructed the factory to do so. And doing something useful, as you said before. It may be about building stuff for the NHS or for charities or for care homes, helping all those people with the the, the maintenance stuff and all that. Learning all that stuff. Carry on from where you left off. But it would make it part of a prison sentence. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, no, 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 you don't, you have a choice, we'd like you to go to work. And you get paid properly, there's no point in doing it unless you're going to pay them properly, and then they carry on with their lives properly. And, but there's a limit of time they will do it for. So you've got to go, well, you can't stay here forever because it's a nice, cosy job uh, and you're secure. You, go, you can only do it till the end of your license period or a bit longer, so let's say 12 months maximum. So at the end of 12 months, now you've finished, now you've got some proper training. It's all down to you now, mate. It's all down to you whether you go out and use that. I can't see the value of doing any kind of training in a prison up to six months and letting them go back out to the street where most people are struggling. Remember, many of these people come from the very low, low employment yeah. areas. They come sometimes from quite high drug crime areas and sometimes what you call the really poor areas of your city. Do socioeconomic you think, so you're saying is like, once they go out, they're continuing to to work in one of those use those skills in an area that benefits other people at a proper wage so that they are living and that gives them yeah. training, experience, reference. Why not? 
Because the argument is, well, if they go out and finish that off doing that and it's a government-owned thing, um, then we, we, you're taking the job of somebody else. I go, well, not really, because in our country at the moment, they keep telling us how short of labour we really are. So, so there's no loss there. It's, all it would be is a nationalised industry. If you think of it in those terms, it's a bit like being a police officer, because they're nationalised. I know they, and they've got a function to do, but the government or pays prison them. Officer. Or prison officer, or many other government organisations like tax collectors and revenue. These are government-built businesses or organisations to run for the benefit of society. That's it. So there's no harm in doing that. But you put a time limit on it and say, okay, then you've got that bit in prison. You've done that. This is the second part. And the second part is you come out, you can go and live at home, you can go down the pub, you can do all the things you normally do, but work. This training so you're, is going you're, to finish you're, you're for you. About so you get some if, value if the government have their own. Own yeah. construction company. Yeah, you can you, you can call it so, a, a non-incarcerated prison. So, so if, if they the, get government, the, the, the government create their own uh, um, construction company for for artists, yeah, and what they do is they train prisoners to be able to do plastering, electricians, and plumbers, and bricklayers, and all the different skills that are needed across the board. Then when these people come out, whether they've been in long enough to do the whole course or only not six months, therefore they don't pass part of the course, they continue the rest of the course work, working effectively as apprentices. They get their apprentices, they learn like that. So you get to that point where this company is now moving and, and, and it, it's going and this is where it's coming from. But then the recruitment of those employees is through prisons. If prisons stop... Of oh, government organisation, I would yeah, call it prisons if, as such. If, well, it's a government-run business, yeah. but they, they're employing people that have come through the prison system. Therefore, if they have less prisoners, they're going to have less employees coming through. They're going to have less people starting. Yeah. Therefore, no, they're, going to have, they're going to have a staffing problem at some stage. So, well, you're going to have to just, just having just, a staffing problem. That means we've got no prisoners. That's a good thing. Surely, well, then there's a good, no need it's a, for that. It's company. a good thing. No, no, the company's still company needed because street. we still need. Yeah, but the company's still needed because we still need houses to be built. We still need. Yeah, all but there's still those other kind of companies things. that do that, isn't there? Well, so yes, therefore, but now, just that that one organisation would have to. Would that organisation would have to shrink because. Of, but if that organisation has or, to shake, that means... Or, or we prison. could just, we'll, we'll just make sure we keep putting people through the prison system so it continues to flourish. That's no, what because, I'm saying. Because there's, the no, reality there's, is, no, there's no simple, like, for this... For a judge that may be inclined not to put somebody in jail, that still might be an option they can use that outside organisation. They might say, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not inclined to lock you up in prison because you're not really at that point. I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm what honest. I do have some power over is how we go forward from here because um, community service, don't get me wrong, I understand community service, but it serves no real purpose. When you go out there and brush the hedges, it's very nice, don't get me wrong, and it keeps the streets clean to a degree, and they chop a bit of this down, they do a bit of that. That's just occupying a person's time. Yeah, it That's is. all it's designed to do, is to occupy a person. They don't sit there going, oh, I feel really, really, uh, I'm really, really contrish, contrite about my crimes for doing this, and I'll never yeah. do this again because sweeping streets is really, really hurting me. They do it because they've got to do it, and they go through the motions. Yeah. That's the problem with IC with community service. Yeah, it's basically, if it you does don't have do any long-term. If you don't do this, you're going to go yeah. to prison. So effectively, it's the ability for you to do something yeah. as a punishment without going. It's just about prison. occupying a prison. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't think it has any real people was turn up there. They just do what they've got to do. Was it poly? Was it polytechs that did lots of the vocational? 
Yeah. Courses. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Like so it's more a lot yeah, of that side. So it's more that kind of system. You can call it a college. You can with, I guess I'm. Leaving. You can even send them to the college, a normal college, but it's part of a condition. In other words, this is part of it, and the, the government who is then put X amount of money in there the for the trainers there? and teachers for are, that part. Are of it. the behaviours there though for somebody that's got to this stage in their life of they're already in front of judges and being sentenced to varying different things? There might be this is your last chance. If I see you in front of me again, you yeah. go to prison. It's your last chance. Are those types of people? Are they going to get on the call? They're not. They don't get on in the education system generally. They're not going to do particularly well in college. It's not the right environment. No, technical college, we're talking about vocational colleges where they physically do stuff. Yeah. They run vocational trades yeah. with a little bit of it. Remember, even vocational trades throw in some classroom time because you have to have a, a yeah, base yeah, knowledge yeah. of English of and maths, how to yeah. read drawings, Key skills, all that sort of stuff. stuff. Yeah. All the details and stuff like that. It's never an easy answer. And I can understand some of the people out there going, well, you know, you're going to go out. So if you want a job, go to prison for six months and somebody gives you a job when you come out. I go, well, it's no, it's more restrictive than that, but I'd still say it's still cheaper to do that than it is to pay them to sit there without any work at all. Because if you pay them to sit at home because there's no job for them, yeah. or they're not inclined to go and be pushed into more training, they're going to be doing the same thing and probably going back to crying much, do, much sooner. Do you know what the, I don't actually know, do you know what the Norway type systems do, where I, I, I've seen a little bit about the Norway system. They've got a whole different. The trouble is, their society is constructed differently to ours. That's why so I was wondering. When you talk about, see, because I've always said about prevention, and people always go, and I go, because all we ever talk about is crime and punishment. Yeah. Nobody talks about prevention. Well, that's, on, that's on the educational. Because punishment is on the educational curriculum. <laughs> that's what year yeah. six is study, because they come to yeah. the prisons. To do private prevention is, is such a big, long thing to do. Now we're at this point. Now, if you look at the Norway system, you'll find, first of all, their whole society is structured differently in as much that they probably uh, they work on slightly more socialist values than we do. And that doesn't make them communists or whatever people like to call them. What they do is they go, there's much better support at the very bottom end. So when you have children and you live in a poorer area, there's going to be a better support system network. Uh, Childcare probably is much better supported because it isn't supported in this country until a child is three. And most people have to go well, to work don't, to work. They don't, they don't go to school as young in, in Norway, so therefore the child support isn't needed quite in the same sense because parents are still... The maternity is well, a lot longer. Both, so both, ah, but, but, but the maternity is longer, but the, but, the, but the financial support is better. Yeah. So it encourages mothers to stop at home or fathers mm. to do that good thing for children, to get that brown in it. Then they get the support as they go through. Whereas here, whether you're on your own with a partner, most people have to work now. Both people have to work in a family to have a, a relative standard of living. You know, it's very difficult. Yeah, but what I'm so saying is children, what happens here is if you, if you, you get an X, X amount of childcare hours provided by the government. Not until they're three. Yeah, but what I'm saying is once they're at that age, they then get those provided. Whereas 30 Norway, hours maximum. Yeah, whereas in Norway, they won't do it like that, but then they don't have to because obviously parents, they have a facility where parents are at home. They're supported differently. They still have younger, like, childcare settings, but it's much more play and activity orientated. They don't start any formal education before they're seven. Um, but the whole system is much more around yeah. 
community values, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just the structure. If you, if you support it at the very, very beginning, it's like all things, but it's conditioning. If you want to talk about words of conditioning, they're conditioning their society different than we condition ours. Yeah. There's a lot more help at the bottom end of it. There's a lot more help as you go through with it. Um, so if they go, um, maternity benefits are much stronger than they are here. Like I said, uh, my daughter's going back to work now at the end of 12 months. She gets nothing for the last three months help but when she goes out all that childcare is either going to pass on to grandparents which is wonderful some can some can't but it's very expensive very expensive oh, you're going to charge but you can see what i mean and it's not that they're unemployment when people become yeah. unemployed in that country the support network is much much stronger that's a takes 15 years to realize not the five years that government's operating i think that's the big problem is it it's always about short term because the government yeah, which we've discussed about the next elections but the i guess what i was brought up away was for those that do then end up in prison their recidivism is still so much lower. It is. So what it is about their system that helps prevent people from coming back. Because they use prison sparingly mm. and they use it appropriately. Mm. And we're getting to be like America. I, and no offence, I see lots of people on the internet because I read all the news and I watch all the comments and all that. And we really get to a place where people just think, uh, people that I kill people in cars, an awful crime, an awful crime. And they should, they should have severe punishment. But everybody's talking about life sentences now. Everybody's got a, anybody that dies at the hands of anybody else, whether you punch them, knock them down, murder them, kill them by accident, everybody's talking about life sentences. And I go, well, we seem to think the answer's in locking more and more people. And it's not. The Victorians tried that. The Georgians tried it. The Victorians tried it. And it didn't work. Definitely. And it won't work now. You, you've, you've got to learn from history, haven't you? That's, yeah. that's the thing. I guess the, the, the part of it is that I think you guys might have more faith in the in the government to run some of these systems than I do. No, I've got no faith and at no all. Faith. All right, maybe, I have, maybe, maybe, maybe I have more faith. I've got no faith, no no faith at all. I'm just no, telling I, you what I think. Yeah, I just maybe I, think I I could run them better than the government do. These um, are personal views. You know, they're my personal same. views, and I, I'm not a person. I, I don't believe in being soft. It's, you know, anybody think, oh, you're a bit woke and all those? I don't like those words, but uh, and yes, no, no. I believe there's a the right place for prison for people that need to be there and it needs to be done properly but there's a huge amount of more people at the bottom end now that are coming to jail that never did in the 1950s or 60s our percentage of our population is rising of prisoners because when I joined the service there were 39,000 people locked up in jail right 1977 it was and they said if we ever hit 40,000 we'd have a disaster now we we lock up over double that but we haven't doubled the population so therefore the percentage of people that are coming to jail are much higher the question is are they committing more crime if the answer is yes why are we putting them to prison on a much sooner scale than we would have before if the answer is that yes why why is it now that we're more why is the percentages higher and, and, and if our society is more dangerous now as people seem to think it is they go well why then is that we're not addressing the whys, we're just looking at the, the answers. Yeah. Why, why is it that we locked up a smaller percentage in the 1970s? And 1977, it was a pretty wild time, remember? 60s was free love, 70s was rock, punk bands and rock bands, and it was also all football hooliganism was rife through the 70s, late 70s and through the 80s. So all that stuff was going on, but we didn't feel the need to increase. And then bit by bit, we did. But it's not about population growth because we've not doubled the population. It's only gone up by about 6 million, I think, since 1970s, the population of this country. Increased drastically over the last 10 years. 
because we were at about 50 odd thousand, if I remember rightly, in the 1970s, about 54,000. We're at about 65 now. A uh, million, you mean? Sorry? Million. Millions, sorry, yeah, 65 million. Yeah. But the percentage of the people that we're locking up is much higher. Well, it's either they committed more crime, they committed it more often than they used well, to. Well, the society's changing. Or changed, we decided though. we're going to lock them up a lot sooner because we can. The whole demographic of society's changing because we've yeah. got a lot, a lot more people now that are a lot older of your generation. Yeah. In, in that sense. Anyway, look, let's, fin let's finish it next. I think we're, we're there. Um, as always, I find with, with these sorts of discussions and these sorts of topics, um, there's no definitive answer. There's no simple. We sort of agree to disagree, but I've always said if we had to solve the problem, the longer we talk, the more we'll find a compromise that works for everybody. Yeah. The problem is, is we talk and stop with our argument now, and nobody says, "Well, keep talking, keep talking," because. And, and if you're reasonable people, that's when you start to go, oh, I see that. Oh, yeah, I see that. And you'll find a comrade. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We're not prepared to do that. We've become a society of blacks and whites now. You're either a far left or you're a, a fascist right. There seems to be no one in the middle anymore. When you look at, and I'm talking about, there's no middle ground in politics. You're going to read the stuff on the internet. You're either a communist or a Marxist, or you're a fascist or right wing. What happened to all the rest of us that go, well, I want to listen to what you say, and I don't disagree with you, you know? I don't agree with you. It's scary. Not, you see not that all governments do it wrong, and they don't always do it right. I think our generation probably ruined it, didn't they? You know, is that our generation? There is, anyway. no such, there is no such thing as our generation. Generations are fluid. Because mm -hmm. people said to me, oh, kids today, and I go, my so, dad so, said so, the so, same thing to me. So, when so, I was 18, so, you, you bloody long, you long haired layabout <laughs> light, you've never had it so bloody good to central eating and double your bloody Well, that's not I caught myself saying that exact same thing the other day where, um, and it was actually talking about how, how wages, um, how the cost of living's going so high and wages aren't growing with it. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. The cost of living is rising far quicker than wages are. And, and, yeah. and that's partly <coughs> external and partly internal. And that's, that's difficult. And I was thinking about it, I was like, but then think how good things are now, even yes. with lower yeah. wages and higher rise costs. Think how good they are now compared to like what they were 20 years ago. Like, oh my God, didn't even have the internet. Well, we always talked well, in we did, we did actually have the internet. Yeah. We always talked in relative scary. poverty. <laughs> that's, I know that's how old we are now. <laughs> we, always talk, we always talk in relative poverty. Yeah. People talk about poverty and I go, you have to talk about in relative poverty, about how poor people are in the society that you live in. Mm. And that's about sharing out the wealth in a better way or not in a better way and all that. And that's the danger. People go, well, in my day, what are they doing? And some people say, you shouldn't have kids. If you can't afford them, you shouldn't have kids. And I go, well, who, who can afford to have lots of kids anyway? So the reason people don't have many children, I say, but when you say that, I say the governments have created a society we live in where two people virtually have to go to work on average to stay in a house and have a living. I said, so by nature, they'll probably have less children because of that. I said that the balance of me, my generation are growing at a disproportional rate this is than the young people are. So there's an imbalance between the people that are going to work to give me my pension. And part of the reason they don't worry about making the education system any better, I reckon, is because it's only there for childcare, isn't it, to make sure they've got a labour for the adults. Right, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> Absolutely. Because this is why the shows end up being an hour and ten minutes rather than... So I said, I said to a woman on, a, on, on an internet one day, she said, shouldn't have kids, and I said, they're people that are going to work to pay our pensions. There's less of them, now, not less, but relatively. So the the only way you'll ever get it is either to encourage us to have more children, and that needs to be government-backed, 
In other words, make it like Norway, support people better, or mass immigration. And I know she's an out-and-out -out racist on this line. She oh my God. Out, <laughs> but you're not going to put this on TV. But... Yeah, this is, this is still, we're still, we're still recording. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 still, still, she's still an out-and-out out racist. She doesn't want any of these people in this country from anywhere. They should all be sent back. And I go, well, who do you think's paying your pension? If we don't have bigger families ourselves and encourage that, I said, the only way you'll ever have growth and wealth in a country is to bring people in to do it with you. You can't have it both ways. It is ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるんですよ。ブレイクしてるん